Hey, this is Lee Solomon. You're listening to Fries on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and in front of me is Roy. I have some breaking news. Breaking news. Fernando Tatis Jr. has demanded a trade. <gasps> Gasp. Wait, no. He hasn't okay. demanded a trade from the Padres. He has demanded a trade in the Dominican Winter League. Well, you saw how his team, how the team started the season, like one and nine. Yeah, they've been awful. And as a result, his father, if you didn't know... Fernando Tatis Jr.'s father is Fernando Tatis Sr., yeah. who once hit two Grand Slams in the same game. Yeah. That's a Twitter bit. Uh, but anyway, he's been the manager of the Estrellas, Estrellas Orientales, yeah. and they finally won their first championship in 51 years last year, as we <laughs> celebrated last, last offseason. That's like the Padres that haven't won a World Series, and they just did it, and then they fire them when they have a bad start. Eh, it's kind of more like the Cubs haven't won in a hundred and something years. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge deal in Dominican Republic, and this is the town where shortstops and so many, I mean, so many major league players have come from. They grow on trees there. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it, I mean, the way that people describe it, it's like you look at every lot, and there's kids out there playing baseball, and and if they're not playing baseball, they're you know they're out playing stickball or whatever. Yeah. So he got fired like 10 games into the season because the team wasn't doing well. And then Fernando Tatis Jr. came out, even though he's not playing for them right now. They still own the rights for him in that league. And he said, that's it. Trade me. I want to go somewhere else. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm rather I'm a son before I'm a player. That's a, that's a really good line. Is what the quote was. Yeah. So there's a fantastic uh, article on baseball prospectus called Straight to Lidom, L-I-D-O-M. Fernando Tatis Jr. demands a trade in winter ball, written by Jake Mintz that published this week. Um, I'm not going to go into any you know deep details on right. it, but he covers the whole thing top to bottom and includes a bunch of interesting social media posts and all this fantastic article that gives you a little bit of insight into what the inner workings of the Dominican Winter League. Yeah. Well, and I also saw later that week, uh, he had posted some video. He was either, um, he was dancing with some some people, uh, but there was at the Escudijo game. Okay. Yeah. And that's what he said he wanted to be traded to. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know what the, why he there's wanted no, to go there in particular. Dude, there's no collusion. Fran Mill Reyes was playing for Escogido. Yeah. Uh, Chase Tingler was coaching. I, I did find it interesting that Manny Acta is the um, the general manager yeah. of the of the Estrellas Orientales, and he was actually the one announcing it to the public, to the press. And Fernando Tatis Jr. was sta- senior was standing right next to him, speaking to the press. Like it, it, that doesn't happen when somebody gets fired. No, usually when somebody gets fired, there's a press conference or whatever. It comes out, and it's. The manager, the general manager, but the person who got fired, you, you don't, don't see, see him. It. We haven't seen Heinrich Herr of Andy Green. No, since. we haven't. I mean, yeah. I've heard that he's interviewed for the bench coach he's now position the bench in coach the, Cubs. For the Cubs, but he didn't come out and say, I really appreciate my time that the Padres gave me. All Did this. they, in fact, hire him? Yeah. No, he's the bench coach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's a good point. He never put anything out there. You know, some people, they'll take out an ad in the newspaper right. or something like that saying thank you. And, San Diego was his first opportunity to manage a major league club. Yeah. And you can say what you want about the reception that he had here or the criticism that people gave, but he had an opportunity here and there people gave him a fair shake. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying that he owes anything to the people of San Diego, but that would have been a nice gesture. 
know, but I think like Bochi did and other managers that have been around for a long, a long while, even players will do that, that have been with teams for, for several years and they get traded or, you know, or they move on in free agency. They'll put out a big ad. Uh, That's always a nice gesture. Evan Longoria, right off the top of my head, Evan Longoria did that after he got traded, you know, so, yeah. um, that's that's a great way the players can thank the fans and say that hey, it wasn't about not wanting to be there. This is what happens is the business of baseball. Sure, but moving on, yeah. So thank God he's not getting traded from us. Yeah, no kidding. We I want to wrap him in bubble wrap and hold on to him forever. <laughs> Do, you know, <laughs> he's going to be buried in Padre Brown. I love it, uh, especially those pinstripes, the tan pinstripes. Right, the ones that came out with the uniform unveiling. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to buy that jersey. Um, But moving on, batting leadoff, Buddy Reed on Instagram announced that he has been selected to participate in the Don't Bleak Home Run Derby in Nassau, Bahamas. Now, if I am correct, and I haven't really dug into this, but I remember this last season, I think Bo Bichette was involved in this, or maybe even the season before, where they hit home runs on the beach into the ocean. And that's awesome. (laughs) And it's... so what's the rules? If it makes it to the There's, breakers, then it's a home run? Or? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, <laughs> God, you know, I just saw a couple of years ago um, where they have a little, you know, they have a fence out there in the water. I don't know how they do it with jet skis or whatever, but you hit these bombs into the water. Kind of like when they hit home runs off of the midway. In, oh, yeah. In, uh, Wasn't that like a high school exposition or something? No, that was the Stormhead. They had that, the home That's run derby. That's right. Uh, I think uh, Cody Decker was involved in that. Okay, yeah. That was a few years ago. That was like four, five, six years ago. Yeah, but that was, was that was that a really was cool a event. T- yeah, it was a real long time. Launching ago. bombs off the deck of a of an aircraft carrier. Yeah, into the bay. All right. So speaking of launching bombs, did you see at in the Australian league now yeah. they've got um we've got Jordy Barley. Yep. And Taylor Callaway. Taylor Callaway. Thank you. And they went back to back in the opening game. In their opening game. Yeah. Yeah. So Taylor Callaway's taken to it. I think he's already got two or three home runs he, in the short season. The, the next night. Um. And he's really interesting because I thought he was a little more advanced for going down to the Australian League. Most of the time, you know, for at least from the Padres, there's been guys in A ball, a high A that have gone. He made it up to double A and was doing really well. Um, didn't he play some games in triple A this year? I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Yeah, he did. He played uh, 11 games in triple A this year. The bulk of his time was in double A. But yeah, he bounced between Lake Elsinore, Amarillo, and El Paso this year. And he had a really solid year. Yeah, I mean, you got guys like Johnny Hamza, you got uh, Jared Dale. Young guys that need the at-bats, that need you know need reps. Uh, Taylor Colway, I think, might have been just throw him a bone. Throw him Maybe. a bat. Yeah, I mean, go make some money. Go experience something different. I mean, you go Down see a different... Under. Um, so Josh Naylor, yeah. he just came back from the Dominican Republic yeah. and Angela was actually messaging with him on Instagram okay. because she heard that he was in town is like, Hey, are you, and he was, he just, I think he flew back yesterday, go back home, home. Uh, but he said that his experience that he had there opened his eyes and kind of brought into his horizons to a lot of things. And I, I think that there's something to that, that guys that grow up in the States or in his case in Canada, but you're growing up in a, in a first world country, if you will, with first world problems. Yeah. And then you go to a third world place like that. You see how people really live and it gives you a a sense of humility. And it also teaches you something about your teammates that grew up in that and then had to come out of that. And they're trying to adjust to our culture. Well, he just had to go to adjust to their culture. Yeah. And I'm sure there were a bunch of culture shocks that he experienced through that. I, and I love that. And I love that reaction with it to be humbled. 
mm-hmm. not just go down there and be I'm a big shot major leaguer, so let me just dominate and fold my arms when I hit bombs. Yeah. But to really admit that, I think that was really cool. I also saw him on Instagram where he uh, he tweeted he was at Fashion Valley, or on Instagram, sorry, put it on the story, and then I saw on Twitter some random guy on Twitter said, hey, I was me and my wife were having a drink, and then who sat next to me? At Bubs, yeah. Yeah, Josh Naylor, and... We go to pay the bill after he had long gone, and he had paid for it. Yeah, that, he's That's he's cool. a really good guy. Yeah, and Angela's had several experience, several interactions with him, and she speaks of him like he's just this genuinely good soul, yeah. good kid. And every little story I, feel, I hear shaken out like that supports that he's a shy guy. He doesn't like being in the spotlight as far as the personality side is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to be in the spotlight for baseball. Yeah, but he. Athletes, uh, they they reach the celebrity status among the public, and there's this 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 different criteria that they're held up to. So we're talking about Australia. I didn't mean to say that Australia is anything like a third world country by by no means. No, but at least to go play in a different country where there's a different feel to the sport, and people don't grow up playing baseball in Australia. They grow up playing cricket, <laughs> soccer, rugby. Australian rules, football, whatever. Baseball's <laughs> way down the list, but it's growing. It's becoming a more, 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 th- more of a thing. No, absolutely. They've they've expanded a couple uh, couple times. They had the had the Geelong team. I think is Geelong is is just their second year. The Tour Tours. I think it's their second year. Yeah, and they're out of uh, New Zealand. Yeah. So there's you know that is expanding, and the fan base is expanding. You see a lot more Australian guys coming from uh, from there to play America. You know, that had made the major leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, since we're on Australia, I'm going to pivot to another topic we were talking to just before we came online. Right. Uh, Todd Van Steenzel. Um, we've been talking about Major League Baseball's, uh, their proposal to reduce the teams. And we've got, uh, Donovan, you put together a bunch of notes here. Yeah. But Todd Van Steenzel shared a story, um, and I wanted to read some of it. Um, he, he put this out on Twitter. So he says, I was on a team that had six relievers. One reliever was a top pick. The rest of us were a bunch of scrubs. The top pick couldn't throw back-to-back days, could only throw one inning, and could only start an inning. The rest of us, no one cared about. In April and May of that season, we played a bunch of extra innings games. I threw two innings one one day, and the next day we went into the 15th inning. The guy who started the 15th got hurt. They looked to the bullpen. There was myself, another guy, and the prospect. The prospect (laughs) did... I get to see him like... Well, it's gonna... He's looking down. It's me, you, or... Dude, our bonus baby. Yeah, Okay. Well, we know it's not going to be him. (laughs) Go on. So the prospect did have a day off, but this wasn't the start of an inning, so he couldn't go in. The other guy threw one inning the night before, so guess who pitched? It was me. I I wish I could read this in a proper Australian accent. Uh, The guy no one cared about if he got hurt. That's what we scrubs are here for. Protect the prospects. So when your prospects get to the big leagues, just remember it's because of the guys like me and the minors that they were able to stay healthy, rested, and protected. Like I once read, 20 of you are here, so the other five have a team to play on. Be nice to the scrubs. Um, and then, and he says, and when I eventually did get hurt four years later and went in the IL for the first time after giving the organization 290 innings and 190 appearances, they released me because they didn't have a spot for me. Cutthroat business, I tell you. Hmm. And so on top of the the pressure to perform and the 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 income disparity... Because I don't know what Todd Van Steele was signed for, but it couldn't have been much. No. Compared to this top prospect that may have signed a million-dollar bonus. And then on top of that, you're getting used and abused. You're getting the, the, the far end of the equipment and the spread and all that stuff. You're, you're trying to make your living off of scraps. Yeah. And you're... Well, and I love what he said here at the very, the very last tweet is, I also want to make it known the prospect had no control over these rules. And on that occasion, he did say to the bullpen, I'm sorry... 
they won't let me pitch. So we didn't hold anything against him. Right. Yeah, so it's rules that he that the team is imposing on him because they want to protect his health. They want to uh, make sure that his performance is optimized and all that stuff, which is what you want to do for your prospects. It'd be nice if you could do that for everybody on yeah. the team, but you're limited to roster space. Yeah. So now when you take 120 major minor league teams and you shrink that down to 160, a lot of the guys who wind up getting left off are guys like this, the guys that are what he calls a scrub that wouldn't have a chance to play on that more condensed roster. Right. So what does that do to the guys that need the the time management, you know, the, the load management they're saying in NBA now that to to spread their days out, their workload out, make it make it efficient. You're not giving them the time that they need. No. And that's just, it's a cutthroat business. That's just the way it is. And <laughs> Lydia would say, way to go, Bruce Hornsby. <laughs> Bruce Hornsby. But it, it's... Um, Bruce so Hornsby gotta, or Roger Hornsby? Oh, that's just the way yeah, it is. That's just the way it is. It's fitting that his grandfather was Roger Hornsby. No. Yes. No. Bruce Hornsby is Roger Hornsby's grandson. Wow. Yeah. That's so there, awesome. There that's is us. a baseball connection there. Yeah. We almost we tried to get Todd Van Stiesel, and then we uh, when we went to spring training, you know, his his mom had tweeted us from Australia, go take, you know, hey, we're going to spring training, and they followed us or the Friars on the Farm or whatever, and she's like, take a picture of my son. But it was my first, our first time, period, having credentials, and I'm like, that's Todd over there. God, I, I know he would if I just took a picture and was like, dude, it's for your mom. I didn't have the, I didn't have the gusting. He was I, standing there. I wasn't sure which one was him because he, he was working out. Said, yeah. Probably the same morning. I saw him. He was like stretching out, whatever, playing long toss. And I see this guy. He's got the glasses on and a beard. And I'm like, I think that's him. But he just had a number on his back. Yeah. And I maybe he wasn't on the sheet that I had. Or it's because I wasn't sure. Yeah. And I couldn't hear him talk. So I couldn't pick up the accent and be certain. Because I don't want to call out somebody's name and then have it be the wrong guy. I don't want to be that guy. I do that so often in public. I'm like, hey, Ted. I'm Randy. Oh, dude, I'm sorry. This is why I don't do this. That, that's why people call each other like dude and bro. And- <laughs> hey, how you doing? Just don't say sport. I don't know why that one always got me. Okay, hey, so they sport. sport. Our chief. Oh, David Letterman used to have a thing that said, see how long you tell, well, you can tell this guy chief before he tells me to not call him chief. All right, chief. What are we doing here, chief? And it, oh, no one man. ever said anything because it's David Letterman. <laughs> Moving on back. Let's bring it back around. Uh, the Padres selected, so the 40-man roster had to be set, finally. And the guys that are going to be protected are going to be protected, and the guys that aren't, you know, obviously aren't. And the one that everyone thought wouldn't be protected got protected in Jorge Ona. Yeah, congratulations, Jorge Ona. Absolutely. And that um, that means so much more. That means more money. You, you're I, He was given a hell of a lot of money, but if you're the guy that just got protected like Edward Olivares, you know, he wasn't a big bonus guy, mm-hmm. and he was protected a couple years ago. Um, there's more money, there's more prestige, there's more, you're, you're that, you're that closer to the big leagues. Yeah. I think I saw that they get paid more in a week than most other minor leaguers would make in their whole, se- whole their whole summer. Yeah. They make like four grand a month or something like that, or four grand a week in the season. Was that Todd Ben Stiesel that said that? It might've been. It might've been him that said It might've been. Yeah. Cause he's been quote tweeting a lot of guys that are coming back, busting on them. If you don't like it, play harder. If you don't or play better. It's like, that's such a cop out it, it is yeah because as he points out there you've got to step on the shoulders of so many people to get to the top of the mountain yeah. and then you've got to get lucky yeah 
So the corresponding move, Nick Martini was designated for assignment. Yep. Um, I don't think many people were expecting him to make it all the way through the offseason on the on the roster. No. And he cleared waivers, I believe, and I haven't heard yet. I, don't, I think he's still right. on waivers. So hopefully he clears waivers and they get to assign him to the minor league club. Um, I believe he has the option to decline the assignment and become a free agent. Now he's already been outrighted once, so I think he has that right. Right. So yep. he'll catch on to someone else. Thank you, Nick Martini, and all yeah. the drink jokes that we uh, never said. But then you've got now you've got guys like Darius Valdez, um, Lake Bakar, uh, Jesse Schultens. Buddy Reed. Yeah, yeah, Buddy Reed, Michael, Michael Gettys. Yeah, there's a whole it's bunch of players. That, Esteri Ruiz. Esteri Ruiz, but he's 20 years old. No yeah, that's the thing. There's a lot of guys that are young, and people point out, well, you can't leave that guy protected. He just had like a 30% strikeout rate in single A, yeah. and he was bounced from second base to left field because of defensive issues. He's still a highly regarded prospect. The yeah. guy's an electric athlete. Yeah. Go watch him. He will make some plays that make your eyes bug open. But at the same time, he'll clunk a grounder, or you'll see him swing right through fastball down the pipe, yeah. and it's something's about the approach or the mechanics at, at the plate. Out in the field, there's something. It's He's a work in progress. He's 20. Yeah, but he's just been in the system long enough that he's eligible for uh, for Rule Five. That's just part of the game. Okay, well, coming up here in a minute, we're going to have Lee Solomon uh, join us and talk to us for a little bit. But first, let me finish this up with so the UT Jeff Sanders wrote a Padres uh, article on Zayed Salinas. So he Salinas will take his first strides towards becoming a hitter pitcher when he gets with the Padres staff next month in Peoria, and again at a January camp in the Dominican Republic. We've had reports on him offensively, Padres International Scouting Director Chris Kemp said. We've had reports on him as a pitcher. It's rare to find the type of profile. He's a physical athlete who has produced on both sides. We're not putting a limit or time frame on this, but we could look up in a couple of months and see him hitting 330 or 340 in the Dominican Summer League. Salinas was ranked 27th in the 2019-20 international class by Fangraphs, which initially reported the saying, he joins a decorated Padres international class that includes four other top prospects as ranked by Fangraphs. Shortstop's original Preciado, number 11, center fielder Ismael Menya, number 12, right-hander Brandian Medina, number 23, and left-hander Luis Gutierrez, number 25. That's very interesting that they wanted to maybe make him into a, a two-way player. Well, he's right now he's a raw athlete coming 16 in 16 years old yeah and so you know that he can pitch you know that he can hit a little bit you know he can play some outfield so where are you going to put him why don't you let him figure that out get let him do what he does and give him some time to figure it out because he they might send him to the dsl for a year they might have him come right up and play in the arizona league yeah. they might send him to an instructional yeah. camp for a season who knows so it's so far between right now and when you're even thinking about how he fits on any roster. So let him do what he does and see where where he takes him. Yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice because we were just we were number two in the uh, Otani sweepstakes, right? You know, and Brandon McKay that came up through uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Rays has has kind of fizzled in the major leagues as a pitcher. Well, he's brand new. I mean, right, a little bit. He's done well. He's he's. He's pitched against us. I think we nailed him around pretty good. I think he's had some mixed results, mm -hmm. uh, but he was also a two-way player. Yeah, but the guy's like 20. Right. <laughs> yeah. So two-way players, it's great. I, the more tools you bring, the better. Yeah. But when it comes to the major leagues, like that's why Otani is so rare uh, that only a few select people can do it. Yeah. And 
uh, you have to be really get to practice a lot at one position. Oh yeah, you know. So a lot of times these organizations will try to figure that out in the minor leagues, and then go like, you know, it's just not working. You know, we're going to make you a first baseman. Yeah, but instead of Javi Guerra, you're a shortstop for six, seven, eight years, right? And then, oh well, shortstop's not working out so well. Let's put you on the mound and see what you can do. In this case, they're going to have an idea right off the bat you where they think this guy's talents really are. Yeah. Did you see that Luis Arias is going to be playing for Obregón yeah. in the Mexican League? Well, did you see the home run he hit last night? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> first, first game. Yeah. Here come the Twitter jams. See, I, for some reason, I thought that was like last year's pictures, but I'm like, hold on. That's Gerardo Reyes. Like, Reyes is pitching for them right now. Yeah. Um, I like it. His head's much more stable. That's, that leg kick is much smaller. Mm-hmm. We saw his work that he was doing with uh, Coach Padron. And, you know, I think that's why he's in it. That's one of the big questions I have is like, why is he, uh, you know, not an established major leaguer, but why is he playing in the Mexican league in the, in the winter leagues when he should be at home working on that swing or doing whatever? Well, T work only gets you so far and hitting batting cages, even batting practice that only does so much. You you gotta be able to do that against breaking pitches off speed, High velocity fastballs. The one that he hit out, I think it was like 88, 87, 88 mile an hour fastball. So, you know, it's kind of teed up for him. Right. But still, you need live practice to to get that going. And so get that before you spring training. Absolutely. And to get it done with less pressure, you know, you can focus on the process and not the results. Mm -hmm. I mean, God bless him. He crushed one. But that and that's a great way to do it. So that's I know that's why. But it just seems kind of curious. They really want him to come out of spring. They must really want him to come out of spring training, just ready to go. Sure. And well, I want him to come out of spring training ready to go. Who doesn't? I want that guy to be the starting second baseman. Period. And I want him to hit the ground running so hard that we quit talking about. Well, maybe we should go get Chase Merrifield or or, or Whit Merrifield. Merrifield, yeah. I. Arias is really good. He's been one of the best prospects in the Padres system for a long time. And then he comes up and struggles for 150 at-bats and everybody's ready to give up on him. Come on. Dude, they gave Ruben Rivera 500 at-bats like a couple years in a row. Yeah, and most guys his age are playing in single A still. Right. <laughs> now, Ruben Rivera was a different case. I, I, I think there was something between the years with that guy. Uh, yeah. But Luis Arias is a ball player, and he's, he's, I want him to show us all this year. It was nice, because then last night, after, after you saw the video, uh, Rule Padron tweeted out the side view, where I think he had his camera or the, uh, you know, the team's oh, camera. Oh, I didn't see that. You got to see it. He's like, here's, a, here's one for you. I think he put it out to Padres Farm, in fact. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a nice side view with a leg kick, and he looked really good. And there, there it is. Let's 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 bring on Lee right, Solomon. So, before we get to Lee, though, don't right. you want to talk about your friend Travis Ehlers? We do need to talk about my friend Travis Ehlers. <laughs> Certified sports chiropractic physician with 14 years in the business. He specializes in sports injuries and prevention. He works with high school, college, and several local professional athletes, including athletes at the U.S. Olympic Center in Chula Vista. He goes to the NFL Combine every single year. He will fix you up, and he will keep you or your athlete on the field. He's kept Donovan uh, at least working, upright. Working, baseball. Yeah, you played baseball last weekend, right? Did you go? Yeah, I had to play. Two, I played two games because a couple guys needed guys. Like, oh, man. Yeah. 
So credit to Travis Eulers for getting you back in line. Um, his office is right off Miramar Road. Call and make an appointment, 844-627-4763, or go to Travis, drtraviseelers.com. That's D-R-T-R-A-V-I-S-E-H-L-E-R-S.com. Thanks, Roy. My pleasure. We'll be right back with Lee Solomon. Lee Solomon was drafted in the 25th round in 2018 out of Lipscomb University, Nashville, where in his senior year, he hit 286 with eight home runs and 25 RBIs and 15 stolen bases. He started his first full season in Fort Wayne with his advanced eye at the plate. He practiced what the organization preaches to the tune of a 321 on base percentage. A deceiving 237 batting average, the utility infielder earned a late season promotion to Lake Elsinore, and he joins us now. Welcome to Fires on the Farm, Lee Solomon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited to to be here. I've heard a lot of good things, and uh, I'm down to talk about whatever. So let's uh, do it. Uh oh, he's heard about us. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hope you reached out. Like those guys, are they good? Are they nice? I'm. Mean, is anyone going to listen to this? Um, I do. I do got to mention. I am wearing my uh, my Chattanooga Lookout shirt. Got you. So got at the you. end of the season, my wife went out. My like I told you before, my uh, my brother, and my dad live outside of Nashville, and. Before we went to go visit them, we went and saw several teams in the area. Went and saw the Smokies. Went and saw Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Went down to Rome, Georgia, and watched the uh, the Rome, Georgia Braves play. So, how'd you wind up in Lipscomb? Uh, it's actually a really funny story. My dad went to school at Lipscomb just as a student, um, and in my mind, like growing up in Columbus, I was like, I'm never gonna go to Lipscomb. Why would I go down there? And they ended up being the first school that offered me uh, in this parking lot. Like after I played this tournament in Cincinnati, like, hey, why don't you come down and visit? My dad's always been like, oh, what school are you from? And he said, Lipscomb. And I see my dad's face light up. And I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. But <laughs> going down, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, going down there, it was just like perfect setup for me. Great coaches, great people. Felt like I could really get better there. So um, I really enjoyed my time there. Was the academics a, a large factor in your decision to go there? Yeah, and it's a Christian environment. It's a Church of Christ school, and I'm Church of Christ myself. So I feel like I was comfortable in pretty much every facet going down there, and it would have really helped me develop in all different areas of my life. So, yeah, I felt good. Well, things must have turned out well for you there. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I uh, I didn't imagine it playing out the way that it did. Um, it one of those situations where I have so many guys who I've talked to playing through the years, so like, man, I should have done this, I should have done that. Like, I wish I would have gone here, and like, I truly went to the perfect place for me. So, it was good. Now, you went there four years. You got a, a bachelor's degree there, correct? Yeah. Nice. So, graduated before the draft. That's that's solid. That is solid. So, you graduated with a, a degree in law, justice, and society, and you were accepted into law school. Yeah, yeah. It's a ongoing thing. It's, like, it's on the back of my baseball card. I um, Yeah, I graduated with a degree in law, justice, and society, uh, minored in political science, I um, was planning on going to law school, applied to some places, got in. Um, and then all of a sudden I look up and I got drafted. And I was like, well, I mean, I'm, obviously I'm going to go play. So, yeah, it, uh, it was a whirlwind of a few months of that last um, semester of senior year. So how does that work down the road? If, you know, say, five, ten years from now, you're done with your baseball career, hopefully it runs that long, and then uh, yeah. you, you're, you're done with baseball and you need to figure out what you're going to do left. What you're going to do next? Um, is the opportunity still going to be available for you to go back to law school? Yeah, certainly. I mean, like the places I've been accepted, I'm still interested in going to um, Ohio State, being one of those guys, one of those places. And uh, I don't know. For me, I mean, like 
hopefully baseball is uh, the end-all, be-all for me up to a point. Um, but I know my own personal um, pursuits and passions, I feel like the JD could really help me do things in different communities that help me, you know, really affect change. So, um, yeah, I I'm definitely still interested in it. And, you know, it'll always be there. Baseball won't. So it's just one of those things. Well, that's a that's a Interesting. That might lead into my next question. Thank you very much. Uh, what kind of law do you want to practice? Do you want to be? Uh, that's a, yeah, right. That is a good question. I mean, there's so many different things that that I could do. I've interned in courtrooms for judges. I've uh, interned in places where I've like worked on actual, um, uh, like legislature and like drafted stuff and helped people write things. Like I've done so many different things with it, and I feel like even sports law is such an interesting part of of the world today when you see guys like getting these big contracts and fighting for players rights and everything i think it's just there's so much that you can do with it so i have a lot of different focuses and my hope is that eventually i can narrow those um when it comes to you know what i'd actually do yeah something that we've been talking about on our podcast a lot in the last really the last six months or so is this this proposal that major league baseball well not six months last couple months that major league baseball wants to reduce the number of minor league yeah. franchises and that's something that would have a lot of broad effects but i'm sure they have a hard time finding professional attorneys and arbiters and that kind of thing that have experience in law but also have a deep understanding of of the, the structure of minor league baseball, baseball and, yeah. major and minor league side anyway right. that's just me kind of spitballing I'm, i don't want to get into into the politics of all of that since yeah. you're, you're you're a current player and you you could probably only say certain things as far as all that stuff goes of course, yeah, we won't go down that road, but uh, it is a very interesting thing. You know, I would hate to see all those minor league franchises go away. There's so many different towns you play in as a player, and you see all these passionate fans in places like Fort Wayne, like a small place like that that has such a crazy stadium and a great fan base and everything, being so lucky to play there this past season. It's just like you would never want to see something like that taken away from a town. So For sure. It doesn't look like you ever went to, um, to Tri-City, right? You skipped over the Dust Devils? Yeah, I, I have not played at the Giza. I have not. But, um, you know, I heard there's good people out there. There's good people everywhere. That's yeah. the thing. If people are trying to make their career <laughs> yeah. and people need a place to go and enjoy baseball and get, you know, pulled into the sport and all of that. Well, and, and we can go into – we won't go too much farther into that, but there's a whole economy around that. There's a whole – Of course. Know, who, what kid, it's bigger than just snatching a team and snatching players. You know, there's a lot of revenue that's generated and, you know, people rely on that. So – I mean, I don't know the specifics of it. I won't act like I'm a genius, but I do think that it's bigger than just stripping teams. All right, so let's let's get back to the lighter right. side of it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, what part of Ohio did you did you grow up in? Uh, so I'm from Columbus, Ohio, Central Ohio, specifically Gahanna. It's just like small suburb, like right in the area. But yeah. So you're a few hours. You got Cleveland a few hours north of you. You got Cincinnati a few hours south, right? Yeah. So did you grow up following the Indians or the Reds, or did you have another team? Yeah, my dad's from Northeast Ohio, so uh, I grew up really liking, like, all baseball teams. I remember when the Marlins won, and they had Dontrell Willis, and they had Josh Beckett, and they had, you know, Mike Lowell. I really enjoyed that team, but as I got older, I really started to enjoy the Indians, and that's the team that I rooted for kind of going forward. Yeah, the Tribe. All right. Absolutely. And so you grew up in Columbus, Buckeye fan, and you played football. You were a three-year uh, three letter football player as well as baseball player and you went yeah the, yeah and you went the baseball route there wasn't the tug to uh to play for the buckeyes uh i always joke like everyone who's from columbus 
you know, whether they are an athlete or whatever they do, they dream of playing football at Ohio State, like in the shoes. So for me, like I love playing football and it was a fantastic thing. It made me tougher. It made me a better baseball player. Um, but baseball was always a sport that I wanted to go and keep playing. Did you think you ever had any opportunities to continue with football if you wanted to? Maybe at a smaller level, like a D3 school or something like that. But I'm a shorter guy. I'm only like 5'9", not overtly fast. You know, I wouldn't be breaking the combine records. So I figured I'd go ahead and <laughs> have the baseball route. Yeah. Where did they have you play? Were you running back? Uh, I blocked a lot. So we ran a wing tee as a ring back. Did a lot of blocking because I loved blocking and um, played outside linebacker as well. So uh, was on the field a lot. Okay, so when I was in Fort Wayne, you were playing first base, I think in both games that I attended, and yeah. you have an incredible amount of, of flexibility. You, you watch you walking down the street, I wouldn't think you'd be able to do the splits, stretching <laughs> for, a, for a ball. How did you develop all of that? Have you always been crazy flexible? Uh, not really. I mean, like, I'd say that it's not something I really think about. I just kind of do it, and like, you just go as far as you can go, and for me, I can go pretty far, so... That was something I worked on. You know, I just like activate and stretch and do the normal stuff and just try and make plays. I mean, it's it's cool that it comes out that way and it looks that way, but not something I'd spend a lot of time thinking about. Well, so <laughs> you, they, they bounced you all over the field. You played first base, second, second base, base, what, a little bit of third base, um, a little bit of outfield. Uh, mm -hmm. You just kind of show up, whatever you want me to do today. How does that How does that work? Do they lay out a plan for you? Not really, but I mean, I think part of what um, an asset that I have is that I just kind of like like to put the team first and I'll do wherever you want me to do. You know, like some days I hit second, some days I hit ninth or seventh or sixth, and some days I played left field. Like in Visalia and Elsinore, it's like, hey, like we got some injured guys. Like, can you just go out here and play today in Rancho? And, you know, I mean, sure, like I'll make it work. So yeah. for me, I like to just be a versatile person that can – Give his best no matter where he's playing and don't really complain about what else is going on. So how many gloves do you have in your bag? A lot. A lot <laughs> of gloves. Too many. Too many like that I don't even need, honestly. But yeah, I, I have plenty. I mean what's the so what's the difference between a third baseman's glove and a left fielder's glove? Is there a significant oh, like huge significance? I, I play rec league ball. Yeah, there's a huge <laughs> He knows. You, you don't want a like a giant glove for shortstop, you want a little small glove, like a barely an oven mitt, correct? I understand, but it seems yeah. like there's a different there's a different glove for each position once you get to that level, right? Certainly, yeah. I mean, at third base, you want a bigger web because you want it to turn double plays. So it's bigger than a second baseman's glove where you need to turn double plays, but smaller than an outfielder's glove where you want more glove room to like go and make those, you know, running catches in the gap or things like that, you know? So it's crazy how the details get even more refined as you move up. Um, but yeah, it's, there are differences, huge differences in the webs and glove inches and all that. So do you have a chance to pick out, like, are you just picking out of a catalog or do you have people to come out and like get custom stuff for you? What, how does that work? Uh, it just kind of depends on who you are. I know that at spring training, they do a lot of stuff where guys come and they like show off stuff and say, Hey, what do you think about this? But for a lot of us, we've been playing for so long. We know what we like, we know what we don't like, nice. you know, for me, like I know what works best for me. I like Rawlings. Um, part of the hide really well so i go to that whenever i need a new one um and you know everyone's different but that's kind of my process so are you responsible for purchasing your your gloves um gloves for me personally no just because i have um a guy who assists me in that category um okay. bats yeah I, I have to take care of myself but that's not the case for everybody you know
What do you swing? What kind of bet? Who? What? What company? Uh, I mean, I swing pretty much anything and everything. I'll shout. I'll shout out Phoenix Bats. It's like a local company. Um, that they do a lot of good work in Ohio, and I put some of my homies on in Fort Wayne. I was like, "Yo, these guys, they make good wood," and they ended up liking them. Um, but Phoenix, I love those guys. Victus, a lot of the big leaguers swing Victus, and for me, it's the hardest wood in the game. I love it. So, um, yeah, those two are probably the two that stick out in my head the most. I guess if you if you don't have a bat deal, you, right. know, you don't really feel compelled to to pimp any one particular. I, yeah, one. I exactly. think Phoenix will be calling you though. <laughs> yeah, hey, I hope so. Uh, Brad Taylor. Uh, you got my number, bro. Please. Because right. <laughs> those bats, a, a premium bat that you guys use, I mean, you're not talking like the $30, $40 big five bat. You, those are like yeah. $150, $200 per yeah. bat, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it really depends on what you're getting. And you get discounts for being a minor league baseball player, obviously, with like deals and packages. But yeah, they're not cheap, but there's a reason, you know, like if you were to swing the Dick Sporting Goods wood that they hang up on the rack wouldn't be the same as the ones that we swing in games so i maybe maybe next year because i i started playing the same rec league that donovan's in and i was swinging the 30 dollar yeah dicks sporting <laughs> goods bats so and maybe i need to pay a little more attention to what kind of lumber i'm bringing well, hey maybe wait, wait till you break a, a max bat you know at the first game of a tournament that your wife bought you for christmas you'll be like 30 dollar bat it is that's true <laughs> yeah exactly. i did break right. one i didn't really feel bad about it I'm like all right let's get back let's get back to lee so I want so doing some research for you. I found that you were on the Eli Fishman. Yeah, uh, is it like a, a vlog or he's he's interviewed a bunch Interview. of guys? Oh, that was hilarious. I mean, so we're in New Jersey um, playing this conference game, and our um, recruiting guy he does a lot of like baseball ops guy. He's like, hey, this guy like wants to interview like me and three other like potential draft guys. I'm like, okay, cool, like whatever. And we see this kid walk in, and we're like, oh, like, who's showing up? You know, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> and it's him. So that's the beginning of the story. Then we're all kind of thinking, like, you know, like, oh, like, this will be a fun, cute thing that this kid wants to do. And he's, like, got information from years ago. He's professional. He's got everything. So I remember, I think I went second or third, and Gigliotti, he walks in, and he's like, man, this kid's good. Like, just yeah. be ready. Like, it's not, it's not some, like, casual interview. He's really good at what he does. So. That was a really cool experience. I don't know how he's doing nowadays, but I know he's had a lot of good guys with on his. Uh, I, I think I found. I think uh, Mosier. Okay, Mosier. I think Gabe Mosier was on there as well. Um, Mosier did it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. One of, one of the guys. So we've done a lot of these interviews, and, and you Google it, and I believe it was Mosier or one of the like, Tom Cosgrove that was on was on there because that's in the same kind of region up in, in Jersey. Um, yeah. And I remember the interview with him. He asked like. You uh, you kind of struggle with this kind of part. I'm like, woo, you don't, yeah, you don't say struggle in an interview. <laughs> hey, he's asking the tough questions. I appreciate it. You know, I appreciate the honesty. Um, yeah, man, it was a really fun interview. I, I thought he did a great job, and it's one that people always like when they like Google my name or search my name. They yeah. see it and they think it's so funny. So I like it. They like listen to it. This kid's for real. Okay, so growing up where you're in, how far were you from where Nick Margavichis and uh, Eric Lauer were? Um. I'm not sure where Mark Gavich is, is from. I remember seeing Eric um, commit to go to Kent State. And, like, I think I was in college briefly while he was there when he had the ridiculous junior year where he had, like, a sub one and had two no-hitters. And so I was very aware of who he was and was like, this kid's he's the real deal. So it's cool to be in the same organization as him now. Um, you can let me know where Mark Gavich is from. I'm not sure. But even his story, seeing him climb how quickly he has is awesome, too. So. Um, I always like to show love to Ohio athletes. I think that we're underrated when it comes to the 
spectrum countrywide. I think Nick and Lauer are like next town over kind of guys. They played each other at one point in high school. That, that was about it. So okay. have you kept in touch with other people that you came up with through school that are that are in the minors right now? Yeah, definitely. Definitely guys from Lipscomb who I played with. Um, in my recruiting class, there was like four or five of us who are still playing right now. Um, and then guys who I grew up playing with in the area or, I don't know, I played on a really talented Falmouth Commodores team in Cape Cod that had a lot of guys who went really high. And, um, so that's been, that was fun. You always try to see how those guys are playing. But yeah, it's it's a tight community, the baseball community. So how's the Cape that. How's the Cape Cod League? That's that's a pretty prestigious place yeah. to even get an invite to come play, right? Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable experience. I wish I could have stayed longer. I was only there for about a month, but the team I was on, I mean, is Alec Bohm, Trevor Larnick, um, Adley Rushman. Like I could go on and on, on and on about the guys who are on this team. They're all just great guys. First, you know, like phenomenal baseball talents, but really made my experience there really fun. Um, great fishing. Had a great host family, you know. Like, it was a great time. I, I I'm very grateful that I got a chance to go up there. Yeah, I heard a couple names you mentioned there that went to a different OSU, Oregon State University. Uh, let's go, uh, let's go, Beavs. <laughs> I'm an Oregon State Beaver. <laughs> well, and Bomb just played uh, Team USA for, for the uh, Premier Twelve. Oh, oh, that's and right. Adley Rushman, he's he's kind of the top prospect for the Orioles. Well, yeah, he was the first yeah. overall pick. Yeah. yeah. So you said fishing. You you do fishing over there? Out. You're in you're in Nashville now, right? I am in Nashville now, yes. I don't get to fish as much as I would like to. I think it's a really relaxing thing, and it helps me clear my mind, but I wish I could get out in the water more, yeah. Uh, I don't have the patience for it. No? Oh, that's no. great. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I can sit there and not catch anything, and I feel like it's awesome. <laughs> oh, I wish I could put aside the time for that kind of thing. Oh. Okay, so let's talk about your draft day. You, uh, you know, I, I saw somewhere where you kind of weren't paying attention, and your phone starts blowing up. What happened there? Yeah, uh, it was one of those things like the year before I had some draft buzz and wasn't sure. So I was super glued to my phone the whole time. And it was a really stressful situation. Ended up not getting taken, which, you know, like it happens all across the country. It's not singular to me. But in that last year, I was just kind of like doing my own thing. I went for a run. I worked out. I was doing a bunch of stuff. I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to it. Uh, and then eventually got back to my apartment and it was like, oh, let me like check and see what's going on. So I opened up my laptop and... Uh, go to the MLB draft tracker and I see the Padres are picking in the 25th round. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. You know, like, let me just see what's going on. And I just see my name pop up on the thing. I'm like, is that my name? And then, like, my phone just starts blowing up. Like, my phone starts ringing. My best friend calls me first. And I'm like, hey, buddy, I got to call you back. Like, um, Tyler Stubblefield called yeah. me and he let me know. And then all these people started reaching out to me. It was a pretty surreal experience. It was like, wow, you know, it's when you play for so long and you know so many people who want to be there or maybe who are deserving of being there, didn't get a chance to be there, it's really special to get a chance to do it. So whether you play for three years or two months or, you know, however long to give that call was something that was really special for me. Well, and you had a pretty, pretty close relationship with Tyler. That he was there. He saw you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Stubby. He's a great man. He, uh, he really went to bat for me. And even in the year that I didn't get taken, he always was just an encouraging guy who, said, man, you're a really good player, and we're going to keep looking after you and all this stuff, you know, so I really appreciated him. Pardon my ignorance. He's the area scout for the Padres, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, he's an area scout. Yeah. So you knew that the Padres had been interested in you, but you didn't know if they were going to take you, or what was your feel coming into it? Right. I mean, I had a pretty good feeling. I know I had, like, four or five teams that were pretty interested. I had a draft advisor at the time who said, like, pretty much told me, hey, like, you're going to get taken. 
um, which is there's never any guarantees, you know, like right. the year before I thought I was going to get taken. I didn't get taken. So in my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, we'll just see how it plays out. But yeah, I had a pretty good idea. Nice. All right. So you get drafted. Uh, you played in the Arizona Summer League that same summer, right? Yeah. And then that's that's you as far as you up. got that year. Yeah, you tore it up that year. And then this year you got sent right out to Fort Wayne. Mm hmm. So were you were you expecting to to leave the camp? Were you, you kind of talking yourself into okay, well I'll probably start this year back in the complex or what? Yeah, man, you never really know. That's the crazy part about playing minor league baseball. It's that you know some days you're just kind of like sitting there wondering like, will I get a chance? Will I not get a chance? Because the reality is there's so many talented people um, up and down the roster that you really just got to take the the take advantage of the, all your opportunities and. For me, I had a pretty good spring training. Um, it was probably a fringe guy who was fighting to find a spot. And that last week, they kind of told me, hey, like, we want you to get more reps at first base. You know, we think you can be, like, athletic enough to, like, help us out there. They had some young guys who I don't know how they saw them in their eyes, but probably needed a little bit more time. So they're like, you know, go ahead and, and see how it goes. And I ended up playing fine there and was to be able to help the team and played a lot. So I can't say coming in, I knew I was going to go to Fort Wayne or anything like that, but I'm grateful that I did. I feel like it was an experience that I'll never forget. Had you ever played first base before? Uh, maybe a couple of times. I played a little <laughs> bit in Arizona. Yeah, I played a little bit in Arizona, and then maybe once, like in a college summer league. But right. there's a lot. Of, <laughs> yeah, there's but, a lot to it. I know we have this perception on our mind that you can take anybody and stick them at first base. You can, you know, put a statue there. But that's there's a lot of footwork. There's the ball gets you on top of you real quick and making the picks and all of that. So what oh, kind of, yeah. how did you get up to speed doing all that stuff? Honestly, I just had really good coaches like uh, Carvey um, in Fort Wayne. He's the best of the best. And he stayed on me from day one until I left to go to Elsinore in August. Like every time we're out there, he's on me about my feet, on me about, you know, like how I'm approaching the ball, having soft hands, all that stuff. You know, like I wouldn't have become more comfortable there if it weren't for him. So, um, Really, it's just an experience thing. The more you play there, the more yeah. you get used to it. And it's true. Like, you think you can stick anyone over there, but it's hard, man. It. I remember thinking, like, it's first base. Like, anyone can do first base. And after that first month, I was like, I really got to work at this. So. <laughs> well, and you saw yeah. Moneyball. Moneyball, Brad Pitt's like, we'll put you at first base. It's easy to play first base. And Ron Washington's character's like, it's a very, very difficult position. To play. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so one thing that they do in Fort Wayne that I thought was really cool, but they have this drill they do before. I think it's before every game where they lay out uh, like a like a rope ladder on the ground, okay. and the guys oh, yeah. line up and they 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 do. Everybody has like their own little footwork thing that they do as they they dance up to the front and then they I can't remember if they hit or they throw a ball like right at their feet and they. And it's like the guys, all of the infielders. I think it's is it the infielders or is it everybody? Yeah, it's the infielders. Yeah, well, it depends. It's so it's a day game thing that we always did, or if it was like raining, we couldn't get on the field that day. We do like an activation thing where you just hit a ladder and they either roll you a ball or throw you a ball, and it's just to get you warmed up and get your feet going. Because really, I mean, like when you're fielding, like your feet are so important, putting yourself in the right position. So it's all about just getting yourself ready to go. So I'd never seen that anywhere else. So I thought that was a really cool thing that they have you guys run through right before the game. Yeah. So you get you so you get to Fort Wayne and well you're from you're from Columbus, so you're used to being cold there. It was pretty cold being yeah. in the season, yeah? Yeah, I uh it was freezing. And I'm <laughs> I'm a cold weather kid, like people at Lipscomb always make fun of me playing forty degrees. I don't wear an undershirt, you know, like they always said, but you know, it was cold, man. It was like 
something that I hadn't been through before. And I've played snow games before, so it took me a minute to get back used to it. Um, and then once I was used to it again, it was fine. Like uh, Emily Walden, she's one of the writers. I think she writes for the Athletic. She always yeah. would joke with me during those early months about how like all these guys would be wearing face masks and long sleeves. And there was this game where I just had nothing on. I was just like, I, I don't like wearing all that stuff. So it's funny. But yeah, I got used to it very quickly. We've had a chance to talk to Emily on yeah. on our show here. She's awesome. We've got a ton of respect for what she does. Yeah, she's the best, and she loves her Fort Wayne guys. Oh yeah. So you so then so then you get then you get sent out to uh, Lake Elsinore. How did that go? How did they come up to you? Did they have was there a did AC kind of give you a a play on anything? Or did they say like, hey, we're gonna <laughs> you know, get called in? You're like, I don't get released or whatever. And yeah, well, they do sometimes. It's I'm just like I've I've been around where they do the play on it. That particular night, I think we lost in Lansing like 19 to 1. Oh. So not the best time to like make light of a situation, obviously. So he, he calls me in his office and I mean, I don't know what's going on. You know, you're just playing it every day and you don't know how it's going to go. And he just said that I was going to Elsinore and that he appreciated everything that I'd done in Fort Wayne and that he wanted me to go up and help those guys compete and find a playoff spot and try and win the championship. And everyone was really nice, really receptive and uh, all the teammates and everything. So it was cool. When you when you uh, when the Tin Caps went out to Dayton, did you have a big cheering squad out there for you? I did. Yes, I nice. did. Had a lot of family come to Dayton because I'm only like 50 minutes from Dayton. Really, the entire Midwest League was nice because, I mean, I'm from Columbus, and then I went to school in Nashville, and we played in Bowling Green, so like that's pretty close. You know, like all around the league, there are people who are able to come see me play, which is really a blessing. That's very cool. It is a blessing. Yeah. So what was the did you did you find that there was a significant change in the um the talent level between Fort Wayne and and the California League? Um not crazily, but I think everything is just sharper, you know? Like the, the defense is sharper, the arms are better, they make a little bit better plays, you know. The bullpen guys who come in instead of maybe throwing like 96 or 97 with like an okay slider, you might run into a guy so in like we played in Lancaster when we faced two guys who are going 99 to 101, you know, oh. so it's, which we really, we tagged them, honestly. But, you know, it's like you you see subtle differences of, like, the big jump. I think the jump from high A to double A probably would be crazier, if you asked me, if I had to guess. That's that's what I've heard. But it didn't show up in your stat line. You hit a little bit better in, it's a small sample size, yeah, but you hit just a mm-hmm. little bit better in Lake Elsinore than you did in Fort Wayne. So a uh, nice and consistent, solid year for you. Yeah, I think that the first season is – I understand why people say it takes such a toll on you. If you've never played that many games consecutively, like for that long, um, it's a lot to learn how to take care of your body, how to deal with fatigue, how to like, I don't know, really prepare yourself mentally and physically to play every day, you know. So um, looking back on it, it was a great experience, learned a lot, um, and hoping to carry over into next year a little bit better. So. Did you find a stretch where you like mentally you were you were slipping or you had to kind of pull yourself back in? Certainly, yeah. I mean, I remember there was a time where we had some injuries and I was playing a lot. Like we had played probably 17 or 18 games straight with no off days and I'd played in all those games. And then just like an insight into the minor league life where I finally get this off day, but we had a lot of guys injured. So AC's like, you know what, man, like he's a former utility. <laughs> He's a former utility man himself. He's yeah. like, hey, man, we've all had to do it. 
you got to catch in the pen for me tonight. Like, I need you to do like, So I'm like, oh, my gosh. I've just played 18 games. I'm finally off, and I got to go down and catch Henry Henry throwing a 96-mile-an-hour sinker. Yeah. You know, like, so, I mean, when you hit that, when you're doing that, you're like, gosh, it's this is taking a toll on me. But, you know, if you just keep it all in perspective and realize, like, you're really living a dream and doing all this great stuff, you can continue to push forward. You know, I guess on some level, the, the the more versatile you can make yourself, the more things you can be able to do, the harder it is for them to get rid of you. I've always felt that way everywhere I've worked. Yeah. Like the more stuff that I can do, you know, the the less replaceable I am. Yeah. So, Certainly. So now that the off season is here, uh, you are into your second career. Can you tell us what you've I been am. doing this uh, this off season. Yeah. So uh, last off season, I was talking to my dad, and I was like. You know, I'm going to have to find a way to, like, make some cash in the offseason. He's like, yeah, I can give lessons. I can do this. He's like, and you can also, like, if you want to get into it, you can substitute teach. So I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, So last year I did mostly high school. I think I only did elementary school, like, two or three times. High school is really simple. It's literally, you know, roll out the movie, hand them the worksheet. They know what to do. You don't have to do much work. But this year I've done mostly elementary school, and it's been an adventure to say the <laughs> It's not a tumor. So how does that work? You, do they have a lesson plan already for that day that you walk in? And- yeah, they've got it set up for you. And it just depends, you know, like if you're doing – and I've done – now I've done two-year-olds in like a like daycare format. I've done pre-K, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth. I mean, like I've done all of it. So some of the times it's like, you know what, like they're routed today. Just take them outside and let them hang around, you know. And other days it's like – they got to do their handwriting stuff. You got to make sure they do this. So it can be a lot, but I'm having fun with it. How hard was it to get your, uh, your teaching credentials and all of that squared away? Um, so I have relationships with the administration at both schools that I do it at uh, in their private schools. So it's, uh, it's a little bit different. It's just kind of like an application process okay. and they vet you and make sure that you're okay. And, uh, so those two were fine. You know, I've thought about doing the public school, um, route, but it's just a lot more work that's involved in actually getting certified. So, you know, maybe in the future. So are, do both of your parents work in education? Uh, my dad worked in higher education at the law school at Ohio State for a very long time. Oh, wow. Um, and my mom does work at a university. She works at Vanderbilt, but she, um, she just works on like raising funds and writing grants and helping bring in money for the university. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a tough job. The writing grant stuff. I work for UCSD. So, uh, okay. but I'm in the housing and dining. So I dining, I manage one of the dining halls. So it's, it's a good, it's a good gig working at a university. Well, yeah, that's, that's always cool. something you can fall back on. I mean, being a, being a teacher, that's great. And it gets, it rounds you as a, as a human. I'm sure it's a very humbling experience sometimes. Certainly. And me personally, like, I like feeling like, like, I just really like learning. I like pushing myself, I like seeing like what I can do next. So doing something where like I can be impactful and also like, you know, help kids who like yeah. maybe need assistance with stuff like yeah. that. You know, like it's fun and, it, and it's like actual work, you know, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. Do you ever let any of them know that you play baseball? I do. Yeah. And some of them, because so one of the schools I work at, I don't know if you know, like Lips, Lipscomb has an elementary school, a high school, and then the university. So like some of these kids have like seen me play at the university for years. Oh, wow. So it's like, when you want to tell them like, Hey, I need you to listen. They're like, I just saw you over at the field, like just playing ball. I know you're just a baseball player. I'm not going to, you know, like I don't want to listen to all this stuff, you know? And I mean, like, not that they're disrespectful in any way, but it's just, 
sometimes when you have to like try and get them to do stuff, it's hard to get them like take you seriously if they know that this is just a side gig and you're really just an athlete. Uh, but, so, but yeah, it's what are you saying? So do you use the baseball team's facilities there as your training facility or what, what's your like off season program as far as that's considered? Yeah, I, I work out there a, a good amount. Um, the coaches are really good about letting me be around and, um, use their facilities and their weight rooms and stuff like that. So I'm grateful for that. But yeah, I usually just work out either at the university or high school or anywhere in the area. Did the team, did the team give you any kind of an off season plan or they have stuff they want you to work on in particular? Yeah, they've got guys that check in on you every couple months. I'm sorry, not months, like weeks or so. Okay. Um, I just got a call from Alicia um, from Fort Wayne. She's just trying to make sure that I'm healthy and everything's fine. Is that the um, trainer that was in yeah, Fort Wayne? The, yeah, the, yeah, the trainer from Fort Wayne. Um, so, yeah, you know, they, they, they keep they keep a good eye on you. They've got a workout regimen for you on your phone and everything, so it's good. Oh, well, they do that through an app or something? Mm-hmm. Nice. That's rad. Nice. You're like, please send the mental coach. I'm going crazy. These three, these third graders are driving me nuts. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's enough of a workout just chasing those kids down. God, right. It is. It really is. It's a lot. Sit down. You did like a cattle prod or something. <laughs> I can't say that. Wow. Yeah, I don't I, want you to be my substitute. No, but you know, hey, I grew up in a different time. Um, well, Haley, we really appreciate you coming. Anyway, I, w- I want to get back to, to Fort Wayne. Who did you have as roommates in okay. Fort Wayne? Ah, okay. Oh my gosh, this house was so fun. It was apartment. Me, Dewanya William Sutton, Juwan Harris, Grant Little. The four of us lived together. And we had like like fight. Nick Fight lived with us for a little while. Shout out to Fight. Um, but the four of us were like the main roommates, and man, it was so fun. Like having those guys there made the season completely worth it. It was incredible. All four of you guys had pretty solid years. Yeah. Yeah, and we had fun with it, man. You need people who like are gonna be able to be through the ups and downs with you know like sometimes when you're with guys who are so type a i gotta do this i gotta do this it, it makes it less fun but we were able to joke about our mistakes sometimes and when we needed to be serious we'd have conversations that were serious you know uh, those guys are good friends and they're good ball players and i'm excited to see how their careers go as well is a beast was the freezer always full of ice packs for Duanier because he got hit by the so many pitches? It was just a running joke. Like, we really just couldn't believe it. Like, every time he'd go up there, especially the game that he got hit four times, we'd be like, I mean, there's no way. Like, that game was insane. And then he gets hit again. And I remember me and Grant are just sitting there just dying laughing on the bench. How is it possible? And, I mean, it's funny. But it's like the guy can't, like, flex his elbow. It hurts so much. So it's like – it's. It's insane. Did he wear? He didn't wear the armor on his that that the guard on his elbow, did he? He did sometimes. He like had a guy send him one pad that he didn't like, and then he tried another one that was a little bit better. But I don't know. Some guys don't like having that on their arm when they're trying to swing and stuff. So I get that. Yeah, but that's that's a part of his game now. I mean, that's what got his OBP up so high because he got hit by like forty seven pitches. Yeah, that that helps yeah. bump the numbers up. So yeah, let, yeah. Me, let me put a, a shin guard on my elbow here. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean, D's a tough, a tough kid, man. He's he's a uh, he's not gonna move his feet if you throw wind on him. You know, a lot of those guys they try and they try and intimidate you and try and get you to move off the play. He ain't gonna do it. So uh, yeah, he's a tough dude. And then Jawan Harris, he hit the grand slam in that game that yeah. Angelo and I were at. We yeah. were there at that game where you guys were down yeah. eight nothing, and you wound up coming back to win twelve eleven. Yeah, that's that one was of the most ridiculous days I've ever seen. That was a fun one, man. Especially for Jay. Jay works so hard, and he's a he's a really talented player with a really high ceiling. So to see him get that moment was so cool. It was just 
one of those games where you're like, we just got this feeling like we're going to be fine, you know? I remember I was sitting before him. I was having a horrific game. I was 0 for 3 or 3 Ks. I'm like, this is just miserable. Go to 3-2 against this kid. Borderline pitch that I take. I'm like, man, if I strike out this four time, like, I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. <laughs> the guy doesn't call it. I'm like, thank God. And then, like, two pitches later, Jay hits his homer, and we're jumping all around and stuff. So that was a really fun game. So after that game, AC and the coaching staff, they had – gift certificates for Applebee's for everybody, right? I think so. Something like that, yeah. So what was the deal? You guys get X number of players on base and everybody gets a gift certificate? Oh, yeah. They started this little initiative. It was 17, I think. Yeah, if we get 17 runners on base via hit, walk, hit by pitch, um, they'd get you, like, gift cards like Chick-fil-A or Chipotle or Applebee's. And, you know, I mean, we, we'll take free food, of right. course. So, <laughs> yeah, so – it really the incentive once they started incentivizing it we kind of took off a little bit somewhere in the middle of the summer like i think we got it like five times in seven games once they first started it and we were really paying attention to it it was like you know we need one more we need two more you know that guys find a ways to get on base for winning games so that's a really cool thing the organization tried to push and it really they saw the benefit of it when we started playing better and then everyone looks at juan <laughs> yeah hell no man I <laughs> yeah, I know. Dude, right, yeah. So when he when he got hit four times in that game, did you guys oh, get yeah. to seventeen? Oh, D's gotten D. I mean, I can think of maybe twice where we were at sixteen, and D just took the pitch and got us to seventeen. So yeah. he's a big part of it, real big part of it. Oh, that's a team player right there. That yeah, that reminds player. me Absolutely. of in the movie Major Leagues when uh, they put up that poster, the full size of the of the the owner that was that horrible lady. And there were little scraps of clothing, and like every time the team won a game, they took a little piece of clothing off of her. Remember that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's a cool little incentive. I, I, I want to find out if that was just the, the coaching staff there in Fort Wayne that came up with that, or if that was something that came from higher up. But that's a really cool idea yeah. to get you guys motivated. Yeah, I think it was AC who started it, and the organization really started liking it. I think they were trying to implement it in other places too. So I know it started in Fort Wayne, and I think it might have grown from there. Nice. Well, because afterwards, uh, Angela and I, we went with Joey Cantillo and Blake Hunt, and we shut down Applebee's that night. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Hey, they get they, they get their five bucks. I can, that's Hell that's yeah. half of a salad right there. Hey, so what, you you watching the game? You, you got a game on? Yeah, I'm flip, I'm like flipping my eyes back and forth to this Niners game. Just I'm I just love watching football. Is all I do in the weekend. So who's uh, um, yeah. who's playing? Niners and who? Niners and Packers should be a good one. I'm trying to see. They're not showing the score right now, but it's big matchup. I'm excited to see how this one's going to finish. You got up. anybody on your fantasy team yeah, involved? Yeah, fantasy league. You know, I I used to be really big into fantasy football, and now it's just it's hard to enjoy games. You know, like you're in like two, three leagues, and it's like I'm rooting against one guy, rooting against another guy. I can't even watch the game. So I, I passed on it this year. I'm just chilling, enjoying the games is all. Nice. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk Absolutely. to us. Uh, we're we're both going to be going out to spring training on on different weeks, so we'll be sure to come by and say hi for you. Yeah, sounds great. I uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. This was really fun. That was cool. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, really good guy. Absolutely. You know, when I had a chance, when I ran into him in Fort Wayne, I'll be—I didn't really know who he was. Like I'd seen his name because I followed the draft, and that's about it. But then Angela and I wound up talking to him. It's just a super good dude. So we immediately became fans, yeah. and then we were excited that he came out to Lake Elsinore 
because we became fans there, and now we get to watch him play for at least the last couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance that last couple of weeks of the season, and I only got up there maybe once, maybe twice, and wasn't, didn't, had already other interviews set up or didn't have any interviews set up and didn't get a chance to talk to him. So talking to him now is fantastic. Yeah, really, really bright, sharp guy. Yeah. And I'm, hopefully baseball winds up becoming a nice, long, successful career for him. But Absolutely. if it doesn't, he's got bright things ahead of him. I mean, he's talking about going to law school and then well, all now, the different directions he can go with that. And one of the things he did mention was the, the uh, making an impact. Like yes. he, in between all that, yeah, do a lot. I'm not sure I want to make an impact in my community. He said, I think he said community. Um, going that route, going that vein of the law, I think – tells them what kind of character the guy has. Yeah. Um, he talked about writing bills like a legislature. Uh, maybe he's got a future as a, as a public well, servant of some sort. I was going to say as a legislature. Yeah. A, elected probably, office. I butchered that word. Maybe someday we'll be talking about Congressman Senator Lee Solomon. Oh, right. He's, he has a, he has a good regal name for that too. He doesn't. He has a deep voice like that. So he, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can hear that in the courtroom or, you know, in a, you know, in a, in a speech or something like that. Yeah. It makes you really pay attention. But speaking of Congress, did you catch this? So everyone knows about the, the MLB 120 plan. Yes. Um, several teams have, several teams and several cities of teams have come out with like the Chattanooga Lookouts. Chattanooga is like, we support you. Um, the Chattanooga Lookouts have. I saw um, the Clinton Lumberjacks had a. Wrote something. They, the, the Erie Sea Wolves have come out with something, and the city of Erie are like, "We support you." Well, there was that document that came out where they actually listed out the forty-two teams yeah. that, if we were to do this, these are the teams that would likely get cut. Yeah, and it's like that really brings it into focus. That, yeah, and the Tri City Dust Devils was one of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, for various reasons, if 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 I'm the Clinton Lumberjacks and I see my name on there, it's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? We've right. got a business to run. We've got a show to put on. We've got fans to entertain. And we have every intention of doing that next year and for the for perpetuity going forward. So what are you doing putting our name on there like you're going to cut us? And so I can understand getting very That upset. should have been kept under wraps. It I mean, sure, have. you could talk about the 42 and I'm sure some – some organizations were probably not even thinking that they weren't even going to be close to being on that list. But once you see the list, it's like before, even before negotiations, before, you know, during negotiations, sorry, um, to get that out there is really bad press. Yeah, well, and it just, sounds like this whole thing was never supposed to really leave a boardroom. No. But it's, it's, it's bad press right now. So have you, I've been kind of paying attention on Twitter. So Congress came out with, uh, with a you know scripted letter to Major League Baseball, and now Congress, the same Congress that voted for these players in these communities to be paid less than minimum wage. Yes, uh, and I have it right here. The abandonment of minor league clubs by Major League Baseball would be would devastate our communities, their bond purchasers, and other stakeholders affected by the potential loss of these clubs. We want you to fully understand the impact this could have not only on the communities we represent, but also on the long-term support that Congress has always afforded our national pastime on a wide variety of legislative initiatives. For over a century, Congress has taken numerous actions specifically designed to protect, preserve, and sustain the system and structure for both major and minor league baseball to flourish. Now, I believe that this was in response to what the commissioner of baseball put out. Yes. Where he had a whole, it was a pages long yeah. letter. And it always kept coming back to the fact that, in my mind, it comes back to that 
Major League Baseball pays the pay, the player salaries. The minor league baseball organization is responsible for doing everything else. And it was framed like, well, they're making so much money doing running their operations. And I, I found that very disingenuous because a lot of these teams really are struggling to get by. The yeah. org, I'm talking about the minor league team. The, the players, they have their own struggle, and we like to talk about that. But a lot of these stadiums, the owners, the general managers, they've got a business to run. Yeah. And it's hard. And yeah. you go up to a lot of these teams on a Tuesday, and yeah, there's not a whole lot of players out there. No. Or not a whole lot of fans, I mean. And so you've got people, you've got vendors, you've got you know people that are full-time salaried people that... Whole, the whole economic community around minor league baseball just cut away... The growing the fan base, growing kids, growing uh, you know boys and girls growing up, going to minor league ball clubs, wanting to be major leaguers, wanting to play the play the sport, and right. growing your fan base. This, if it's an investment, there's your investment, and I think that there should be more money going to the minor league teams from major league baseball because it is it's a billion dollars, and we we're talking about billion dollars. Billionaires talking, uh, you know, arguing with millionaires. Uh, but a lot of these millionaires that own these clubs, uh, they are still going on a shoestring budget. They're still affording, you know, upkeep and improvements to their field to make ends meet, really make ends meet. Like I've watched Mackenzie Gore pitch with less than a thousand people in, in attendance. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, then was like the top five draft, you know, top five prospect. And it's on our Tuesday, like you said, like on our Tuesday. Like a lot of these teams don't draw well, and they rely on those weekend gates. They rely on those little uh, little promotions and stuff that they do to bring the families in. You know, they have the everything night uh, up in Lake Elsinore, which is everything is like super cheap. I, I want to go on nothing night. They, one that's, time. I mean, nothing night. Everything. They do have everything at the end of the season. They've got that where they've got all the all the they leftover give, giveaways, yeah. and they've got all the promotions. But they've got nothing night where there's. You need to bring your scorebook to know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. I, I want to go to that. But the point is that you've got you've got billionaires that are thriving off of this, and they should be trying to draw to grow their brand. Yeah. And minor league baseball is a way to draw people in Missoula, Montana, Boise, Idaho, you know, Pasco, Washington, that might not give a rat's ass about baseball. But then when they were four or five years old, their dad brought them to to the game, and they went and played out in the in the lawn seats. Yeah, and they wound up becoming fans. You know, and and a lot of those. So teams, who does that help? That helps Major League Baseball. Yeah, because they're going to become Seattle Mariners fans. They're going to wind up. They're going to go. wind up supporting <laughs> yeah. the Major League Baseball as much as they support Minor League Baseball if they stay in that town. Absolutely, and one of the things I noticed about, and you mentioned Pasco, is a lot of those people they love Giza, they love the tri- you know, they love the Dust Devils, but most of them are Mariner fans. Yep, you know, so they support the local Major League club up there, but they. First and foremost, support their local team in their community. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because they they're not going to drive whatever six hours to go to no, Safeco. It, that's to, like once a year we bring the kids, maybe yeah, if we can afford it. But a couple times a month, yeah, let's go out to to Giza and you hear Chris King talk about the the Tri City Dust Devils and Eric the Peanut Guy. That's right. So what's Eric the Peanut Guy going to do if Major League Baseball has their way? He's gonna have to find another place to sell peanuts, and that's yeah. that's a sad that's day in right. the life of Eric the Peanut Guy. What about guy? Dusty? What about Thunder? Right. What about uh, Nuga? I, I can't remember. What they, well, Chad Nuga's one of the teams, so like I was out there. I can't. I think they call him Nuga. I can't remember. 
I can't remember what what the Chattanooga Lookout uh, mascot is. But is he a giant pair of eyeballs walking around? What does the Chattanooga Lookout's God, mascot I, look like? I can't remember. It was an early game. Um, I don't, and I don't even drink it. I can't remember. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but it, it, it's you know, and JJ, uh, you know, JJ Cooper at Baseball Cooper America really wrote, uh, you know, kind of put this in perspective. Very preliminary proposal. All this could change. Pay zero attention to affiliations. Plan by MLB would completely, I mean, they would completely reorganize. I mean, teams will be going away. Um, but notably, no MLB-owned teams showed up on the list. Yeah, so you've got, up in San Jose, you've got the San Jose Giants, Giants that are a part of, are they AAA? No, they're single A. They're in the California League. Yeah, they're in the California League. And they play in a, in a ballpark that's hardly been improved on since it was built in the oh, 40s. It's a horrible field. Yeah, and it, it's a joke. But then, because they're owned by the Giants, yeah. then they're not getting the same kind of scrutiny that Giza Stadium and the Tri-City Dust Devils gets. Yeah, you have the uh, Pulaski Yankees in the Appy League. The whole Appy League got tore down. Uh-huh. Like, every team, I think, but the Pulaski Yankees uh, is on that list. And a lot of those ballparks are historical ballparks. Yeah. They've been there since the 20s, 30s. Yeah. So, you're on one hand, you're criticizing their facilities, but then on the other hand, a lot of these are on like the National Historic Register. And not even give them a chance to get up to par. Yeah, so how, what are you supposed to do? There's got to be a, a happy balance, but how is the local team supposed to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars into these improvements that Major League Baseball is demanding when well, they're operating on a shoestring budget. Exactly. Borrow more money, and now they have to, you know, and a lot of that has already been happening. I is, found, you know, that quote that you just read said something about bondholders. Yeah. So you've got con- local constituents, and that's their stick sticking up for their constituents, their voters. Yeah. But you've got people, you've got towns that are investing into this infrastructure to support this. But at the same time, you've got this multi-billion dollar organization that is up on top of it, and they could throw down 1% of their annual yeah. operating revenue and make significant impact on these communities. You could put it in a budget. It wouldn't even, it wouldn't even register on, uh, on a budget. Mm-hmm. Ugh. It's but frustrating, but yet, it's a fascinating thing to, to, to follow. Absolutely. And it's going to be followed for the next uh, full year until the end of the 2020 season. Right. So a- as we go, this conversation will change. It will morph. Um, it'll, it'll become clearer as we get closer to the date. Mm-hmm. And what I feel may happen um, is they'll, it'll it'll still happen, but it'll be more tiered. It'll be like, okay, so the next five years, we're dropping down 15 teams. Okay, and the next, you know, it's going to have to happen in chunks. Well, but it at the same time, if they're, talk- overnight. if they're talking about reorganization, about changing affiliations yeah. and reorganizing the leagues and the levels and all this, yeah. I, I, I have a feeling a lot of it's going to happen at once. Interesting. You're going to see teams go from being in rookie league to double A and triple A facilities. Well, you're going to be single A now just because of the reorganization of everything. You that, used to be a Marlins affiliate. Now you're a Twins affiliate. Okay. Woof. It's, it's so much to change. So much so to change. I'm interested in figuring. We're going to talk to some people. I don't oh, yeah. know who, but in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a chance to be down at the winter meetings here in San Diego. Oh, yeah. Uh, Donovan, you were able to get us some credentials, so we, this is fantastic. We're excited for this. Yeah, we'll be official down there at the winter meetings. Uh, we're very fortunate and grateful for the Padres to help us do this. We're grateful for all the affiliates that uh, 
that I reached out to and offered their support. And I put their names down on the references uh, to the email that I sent Major League Baseball. And grateful for, for Craig Huner and his whole team, JP, Danny, um, that allowed us to, you know, to go to spring training, allowed us to go to the Don Welke, um, allowed us to participate in those things and help us set up a, a MLB credential profile. And mm-hmm. that's what really, I think, took us over the top. Yep. Was what uh, the podcast have done. So I want to thank you guys. I want to thank every affiliate. Um, we hope to bring you a top-notch uh, content, uh, maybe even some breaking news. We haven't figured out how we're going to do it, but we'll be talking to a lot of Padres. Well, um, the, the scope of our podcast will change during the winter meetings. We'll be doing a lot more major league stuff. We'll be talking to AJ Preller. We'll be talking to uh, Jace Tingler. Well, ho- hopefully, yeah. hopefully we have a chance to. We'll we'll, we'll be crossing there. our fingers. We'll be we'll be there. I know you'll be down in there in that media scrum. We'll be in the scrum. Good thing you're tall. Um, you're tall. You got long arms. So you get well, the microphone right and out that's there. That's what I'm really working on. Is my my reach? Do I get like a selfie camera or what? Is it, the selfie stick with? Oh the, yeah. Put that in front of Jace Tingler's face. Hey, can you hear me? Um, <laughs> you got the boom mic. But we'll have all those things. And I do hope to talk to some of the national media guys and discuss it because it's a huge thing. I want to talk to some Baseball America guys. Um, well, and I want to have a chance to talk to guys from some of the affiliates, like if yeah. Mike Nutter or you know some of those guys. You mentioned Chris King. I don't know who all comes out. Every minor league team will be, uh, will be represented there. We spend Sunday at the Peebo and the trade fair. Uh, we pick up our credentials on Sunday at one o'clock. We could do whatever we want. We really, and we will be talking to everyone from our affiliates. I, I to the best of our ability and time allowing for them and for us, but definitely we're going to be doing our fair share of covering the minor league side also, as well as the major league side. It's going to be exciting. I'm looking I'm forward to so it. So stoked. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You guys can catch me. <laughs> you guys can catch me on Twitter. SD Donovan. I am at zippy underscore TMS. Till then, go Padres. Go Padres.